Section 1 of A History of the Earthquake and Fire in San Francisco. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. A History of the Earthquake and Fire in San Francisco. An account of the disaster of April 18, 1906, and its immediate results. By Frank Aitken and Edward Hilton. Chapter 1. The Old San Francisco. In some vast travail of a bygone age, a peninsula was born. Its birthright was a harbor, landlocked, save for its golden gate, and beyond an empire of unrevealed wealth. For untold ages it slept. The child dream of power stole upon it. Suddenly it woke, and looked upon the sail-capped waters of its harbor. What had been a lonely stretch of sand became a city. They called it San Francisco. Founded as a mission outpost by far-journeying Franciscan friars in 1776, it grew but slowly until 1849, clustered around the Mission Dolores and the Presidio, or around the sheltered cove of Yerba Buena, under the brow of Telegraph Hill, where an occasional ship dropped anchor to trade for hides, the people had little to do but amuse themselves with their loves and foibles, to go to horse-races and bullfights, fiestas and fandangos. They were as carefree as the fat herds that roamed the rich valleys of their nearby ranchos. In 1849 came the awakening, with the rush of thousands of adventurous Argonauts in quest of the wealth that lay in the Californian mountainsides and valleys. The dreaming peninsula was the natural point of entry, and base of supplies, for the gold fields, and straightway a little settlement grew up in the Yerba Buena Cove, where thrifty Americanos traded for the gold their fellows brought down from the mines. A city sprang up after the fashion of any frontier settlement, wooden shacks to shelter traders and gamblers and saloon-keepers, beyond the insubstantial homes of their various families. Three years before, Captain Montgomery of the United States war-sloop Portsmouth had planted the American flag in what subsequently became Portsmouth Square but that act alone could not make the mission military town american in its habits the loves and intrigues and fandangos went on just the same the men of forty-nine restless tired of claptrap conventions ever ready for new sensations came along and fell into the ways of the natives began to live their easy-going life those first days of san francisco the american were such as might have been expected, where many men of many sorts were thrown together without any common tie, where the law was weak and men's passions were strong. They were days marked in passing with crime and greed and debauchery, with hardship and many an unwritten story of privation, and of fortunes made in a day and gambled away overnight. It was a hardy, rough-and-tumble people that formed that first settlement, men from many climes, the sturdy stock of New England mixed freely with Old England's younger sons, and the men of the continent, and with the hot blood of the Orient and the Equator. 
They were a happy lot, too, light-hearted, indifferent, taking things as they found them, in serene contentment. That beginning gave to San Francisco an individuality, and a glamour of romance all its own. The start was picturesque, cosmopolitan, and through all the years a carnival spirit of light-heartedness has been the motif of the people. Always it has been San Francisco the Golden, a city of adventure, a city of legend, a city of many peoples, a city of the Arabian Nights. Of it Bret Hart well sang, Serene, indifferent to fate, thou sittest at the western gate. Thou seest the white seas fold their tents, O warder of two continents. Out of that settlement around Yerba Buena Cove, that chance stopping-place of people bound for the mines, a city grew almost in spite of itself. Soon came ships bringing merchandise from all over the world, the treasure of two continents. Various business interests allied themselves with its destiny. In 1853 the population had grown to be 36,000. The road to the Mission Dolores had become Mission Street, planked throughout its length. California Street, for a distance of three blocks, was a thriving thoroughfare. The city had stretched out to the base of Telegraph Hill on the north, and back to the foot of Knob Hill on the west. It expanded southward. Soon Market Street was extended a block into the bay, and graded with sand from the Montgomery Street hills. The bay end of the street was then four blocks from its present location. On the west it ended at the line of sand hills parallel with Montgomery Street. A little further west, where a creek meandered through a cemetery, the present site of City Hall, there was a favorite hunting ground, far out in the country. Ten years later the city had ninety thousand people. The Latin Quarter had sprung up at the base and on the sides of Telegraph Hill. Chinatown had become quite a village on the slopes of Knob Hill to the west. The American city had expanded out over the tide flats. Gradually high-water mark receded further and further eastward, and buildings appeared on the filled-in ground. Many were supported on piles in the water, some only on a loose filling of whatever came to hand. A stranded ship on the beach was righted and converted into a building. Finally, when all the filling-in was done, this ship, buried under the foundations of a tall building, was a full quarter-mile from the new waterfront. The people were of the pleasure-loving type, in sixty-three as in forty-nine. They worked by day, and spent their nights in bohemian fun. In 1868 the building of the Palace Hotel was commenced. After completion this hotel was recognized for years as the finest in the world, about this time the Central Pacific Railroad was completed. Overland communication by rail with the East bore quick results. One by one various activities, commercial, manufacturing, financial, centered themselves around the city's harbor. San Francisco became the metropolis of a vast territory, a world power. Its trade was established. Montgomery Street became a Wall Street in miniature. The city was the financial center of the rapidly developing West. Prosperity smiled upon it. Wealth poured in from all sides. 
its increase in population and trade was phenomenal the glamour of wealth and magic growth surrounded it following the advent of the railroad had come wonderful development to the men interested in it the road brought fabulous riches and drunk with sudden wealth they huntington stanford crocker erected palaces on knob hill each trying to outdo the other in the splendor of his mansion a few years later they were joined by fair and flood of the comstock upon whom also fortune had suddenly showered untold wealth knob hill thus crowned with buildings that had cost hundreds of thousands of dollars to build became known the world over as in the early days so later the prodigality of many who had won fortunes on the comstock gave an air of romance to san francisco and a reputation which it never lost for open-handed lavish spending for generosity hospitality love of fun sprung romantically from the mixing of many races in many types it retained to the end its cosmopolitan picturesqueness it has always been a city of men of all kinds and many inclinations from the first san francisco has been gay and pleasure-loving the lightest-hearted of cities it adopted a bit here and there from the customs of its various races and acquired a manner of life quite its own as far back as the days when barrett and mcculloch played in the stock company of the california theatre the city has been a chosen home of the drama so also has it been noted as a place of highly cultivated appreciation of music and art from the days of bret harte and mark twain it has been the centre of a widely known literary circle thousands of people throughout the world have known of stevenson's lounging days in portsmouth square where he conceived the wreckers who had no idea of the city's population or the amount of its trade but san francisco was not all fun and gaiety and pleasure in nineteen o six it counted its population as four hundred and twenty five thousand it had become the seventh city in the united states in volume of bank clearings its annual exports amounted to sixty five million dollars its manufactures to two hundred millions through all it seemed still serene indifferent of fate the surrounding region poured wealth in upon it and it was satisfied taking its good fortune and luck for granted it always seemed to be sitting in the midst of wonderful opportunities indifferent to them always too it had remained the wonder city the city of picturesqueness of romance the city that was neighbor to the ends of the earth alaska the orient the south seas meanwhile the city had grown out to cover much of the peninsula had scaled the hills and spread through the intervening valleys along in the sixties the supervisors were discussing whether it would be advisable to limit purchases of land west of van ness acre to fifty acres and if those lands would bring six dollars an acre they doubted if they could give title to them anyway as the sand lots a term general then to all ground west of the avenue were continually shifting no way had been discovered to tie the land down to the survey in nineteen o six block upon block of houses covered the sand lots of old and if one would buy one must pay hundreds of dollars per front foot 
during the seventies the cable road had overcome the hills and gradually the most distant parts of the city became accessible van ness avenue at the western base of knob and russian hills had been the farthermost limit of the city now the western addition stretching far beyond it came into being market street became the main thoroughfare on the north at varying distances were the hills just beyond the site where the city hall was afterward erected hayes valley known as happy valley until thomas hayes began to exploit it stretched some distance to the west south of market the city had grown out so far that by nineteen o six the mission dolores once a part of the far country seemed almost downtown far beyond it lay blocks and blocks of close-built residences everywhere the houses were wooden here too the city showed its serene indifference of fate visitors marveled at the great frame city insurance men shook their heads foretelling a tremendous conflagration some day a conflagration that would almost blot out the memory of the great fires of the past london moscow chicago boston in its greater vastness san francisco had had plenty of experience of the fate that was to overtake it five times in the early days it was devastated by fire and five times it was rebuilt it was with grim pride therefore that the city made the legendary phoenix a part of the design of its official seal in eighteen fifty but without any idea of the task the phoenix city would later have to perform end of section one